Cowabunga dudes and dudettes, and welcome to the first episode of Turtle Flakes, a Saturday morning dose of Ninja Turtles goodness. I am one of your co-hosts, Rob Luther, and joining me today is my good friend, my partner in Ninja Turtle crime, Joshua Whip. How are you, Josh? Good. How are you, Rob? I'm doing well, man. Doing well. I'm, I'm so excited to get this started, man. It, I've, this has kind of been a dream of ours for so long, so it, it's nice to finally get started. I can't believe we're finally here. I've been waiting for this day forever. <laughs> yeah, me too. I feel, I feel like a little kid. I'm, I'm rocking my Ninja Turtles shirt right now, and uh, just just watching the, the original episode and uh, seeing uh, learn a little bit more about the toys. I feel like a kid again, man. I feel like it's about 1990, 1991 right now, and uh, the Turtles is on TV right now. It's a good time you know, to be a Turtle fan. It really is. Uh, it's it's kind of crazy the amount of things that are out there now, right? We've got we've got a new movie coming out. We've got a couple of video games, a TV show. Yeah, it's it's like it seems like the Ninja Turtles always have kind of like a renaissance, you know, or, or a revival, you know, where all of a sudden it goes away for about a year or two, but then all of a sudden it's back in full force again. So, but yeah, uh, just to give you guys a heads up of what the Turtle Flakes podcast is all about, and the first episode of each month is going to be dedicated to the classic Ninja Turtles. And that's, you know, the, the 1987 cartoon, that's the original comic books, uh, the original Playmates toy line, or the original uh, the games for the NES, the arcade game, uh, Game Boy games, and anything we could possibly think of that was Ninja Turtle related back then, we're going to try to talk about it on the show. The second episode of the month, that'll be dedicated to all the newer Ninja Turtle stuff, the, the more modern stuff, and that we're going to kind of guideline that around um, 2003 on up. Uh, so, you know, the first episode of the month, classic. Second episode of the month will be Modern Turtles. Another thing, in between each episode, we are going to do what's known as the green screen, which is basically where we randomly pick an episode, say, from The Next Mutation, if we have to, <laughs> uh, or, or uh, the, the original cartoon, or the new uh, the 2003 cartoon, or even uh, the new Nickelodeon show. And basically, we'll just watch, a, watch an episode of that and give our commentary, our feedback on it. That's the plan for now. And I guess we need to give a whole bunch of shout-outs, don't we? All right. Wanted to give a shout-out to Jake McDaniel of Marley Games and Taylortown Trade Center in Taylortown, Michigan. He was kind enough to give me a great deal on a turtle van. Yeah, uh, the original turtle van. It's uh, it's seen some play. Uh, it's missing a door, <laughs> but hey, it's still the turtle van. Those are the best kinds of toys, man. <laughs> yeah, and uh, also he gave me a great deal on some turtle cards, which, uh, Rob, I think you've received some. I uh, have, I have, and I've chewed the bubble gum. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I've got a couple of friends at work that are really excited, uh, Andy and Matt, and I gave them some cards too, so I'm sure they're appreciative as well. Oh, sweet, sweet. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you very much, uh, Josh, for sending me the cards, and thank you very much. Uh, what was your friend's name again? Uh, that was Jake McDaniel of Marley Games. Well, thank you very much, Jake. I uh, really appreciate it. Another guy we want to give a huge shout out to is. Uh, Dylan Cook, who is a host from the What the Shell podcast, uh, they were one of the first, or actually probably the first Ninja Turtles podcast, and I was a huge fan of theirs. I think they've been out for over a year now, and they've just been very supportive. Uh, I've gotten to talk to Dylan a few times on Facebook. Just a very nice guy, very supportive, huge fans of their stuff. Check them out. They're on iTunes, and they're on our uh, website, which is www.theretrojunkies.com. Um, we, we try to share a lot of our friends' podcasts, you know, that, that are, you know, generally family-friendly uh, retro podcasts, and then, and uh, What the Shell definitely falls in that category. We're, we're huge fans, and we're glad to have them as uh, part of our site. Uh, and speaking of our website, Brian Rapolo is the guy who designed our website. Uh, we just owe a lot to Brian for designing it. It's definitely our style. It's got uh, a whole bunch of video game stuff on there, a whole bunch of uh, retro content, and of course the Ninja Turtles stuff's on there, so... Uh, big shout out to Brian for designing the site. It looks fantastic. Yeah, so when I was 
getting ready for uh, the Turtle Flakes podcast, I was starting to get into things, and uh, a couple people helped me to get more in the turtle spirit of things. Uh, one of those is my sister-in-law. For my birthday in June, she actually painted a, a really awesome uh, Ninja Turtles painting on canvas. It looks just like the comics. So yeah. I wanted to give her a shout-out. Uh, it's I believe it's on her Facebook page. Uh, maybe I'll post it again on there so you guys can see it. I'm one of these days when I have some money, I'm definitely going to pick one up. <laughs> it was awesome <laughs> looking. Uh, I was really impressed with that. So uh, big shout-out to her. That was uh, an amazing job. And I think yeah. she's working on a Casey Jones one too, right? Yes, yeah, she's working on a couple other ones. Uh, her, uh, that'll her be artist, awesome. Her artist name is uh, Golden Fox, and I'll probably link to her Facebook page uh, to ours. So you guys can uh, see what she's working on. Oh, that's a good idea. Let's see. And another guy I want to give a shout-out to is Sween Halleck, who is the host of the Radically Retro Turtle Toy Talk podcast. He has really helped us out, gave us a lot of information on the Playmates toy line that we really didn't know a whole lot about, besides the fact that, you know, we love them as kids. You know, So a uh, huge shout-out to him. He's been very supportive, very kind, and he's also part of the What the Shell podcast. Uh, he's one of the co-hosts over there. So, Swing, we really appreciate it. And last but not least, we want to thank all the supporters on our Facebook page. It grew really, really quickly. We've we've gotten a lot of great supporters, a lot of great responses on a lot of the posts we put up there. So, thank you for following us. Uh, thank you for sticking with us, you know, because we started our Facebook page probably about three months ago before we even started our podcast. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, we kept telling them, yeah, we, we promised we're going to get a podcast uh, started soon, but... So I guess it's time for a little bit of turtle news. We didn't get a whole lot this week, but we did get uh, a couple of things we'd like to share with you guys. Uh, one is the Booyaka Showdown. I probably said that wrong. But apparently what it is, it's the last two episodes of season one of the current Nickelodeon show. Uh, they air on August 8th, which is this coming Thursday. Chances are you'll probably see that before this is released on iTunes. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, either way, we want to tell you just in case we get this episode out early. And, oh, and I also think, um, isn't that the one that's going to have Krang Prime in it? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not really sure, too. I, I haven't gotten to watch the last few episodes, but I do know that Krang Prime, who's voiced by, is it Roseanne Arnold? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think she's actually going to be in uh, this this uh, this movie, or, or I guess it's just two episodes crammed into one season finale. So, so be sure to check that out. It'll be on Nickelodeon uh, this coming Thursday, which is August 8th. I'm excited to see uh, or hear her version of the Krang laugh. <laughs> that would be great. She reminds me of Krang. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I think that's a compliment. I, sure. I don't even really know. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to touch on the new TMNT Out of the Shadows game that's going to be coming out. I've been really excited. I've been following this one for a while. For a while, the release date was just summer uh, of this year, and I was chomping at the bit to, to hear when it was going to come out, and it is coming out August 28th on the PC and the Xbox 360, and then September 24th for the PlayStation 3. Uh, it's going to be about 15 bucks for all of those systems. Nice. It's, uh, it's also supposed to have an arcade mode that has about two hours of play that is a throwback. Yeah, it's going to be a throwback-type style to uh, probably similar to Turtles in Time. Oh, that'll be so, awesome. So, yeah, it's going to be four-player co-op. I'm really excited for that. So, so long as we can throw foot soldiers at the screen, I'm happy. <laughs> That's all I want. You know, if, if everything else is terrible, as long as I get that, I'm happy. Well worth the money. I just need that and, uh, and good music. Absolutely. Uh, let's see. And I think that's it for the Turtle News. So, why do we want to do a Ninja Turtles podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. We just we just love the Ninja Turtles. There, there's just something about the show that uh, 
uh, and, and the comic books and, and pretty much the entire franchise that has just resonated with us, um, you know, fr- from our very first uh, memories of it to now. Uh, so, so Josh, let me ask you, first of all, what got you into the Ninja Turtles and why is it still a big part of your life today? Do you have time for a flashback? Why not? Well, uh, the Turtles, like many other people, for me, started with a cartoon show. Probably about 1990 is uh, my first memory somewhere around there. I uh, started watching the cartoon show and uh, it was just awesome. I mean, <laughs> action-packed. You've got Splinter, you've got ninjas, and it's kind of funny, you, you never really noticed back then that the violence was actually scaled down. It just seemed so intense at the time, you know. <laughs> no, that's it's, true. Maybe it's the kid's attention span, I don't know, but <laughs> it, was, uh, it was totally awesome back then, mm. and it still is today, but it, was, it just seemed super intense at the time, and uh, after watching the cartoon show, my mom uh, got the Ninja Turtles figures for my brothers and I. She got uh, all four turtles for all of us. Nice. It was pretty awesome, yeah. Uh, she must have got a, some kind of crazy discount or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember any of the packaging, but I remember the turtles, and it was uh, pretty much the, the best toy purchase I can remember. <laughs> so uh, I had the turtles to go along with uh, the TV show, and it was, it was just off from there. I mean, from there it went to the video games, and I love those. Uh, I remember borrowing the, uh, the, original, the original video game from uh, a friend and just completely blown away that, wow, I can actually be the Turtles on my <laughs> Nintendo. This is totally awesome. And uh, must have played the second one for hours, uh, the, the arcade port on the NES. Oh, yeah, classic game. Tons of fun. And, you know, I was lucky enough to, to grow up with brothers to play with, so we'd play that all the time. And uh, I guess going forward, I, the, a lot of the video games carried forward, loved the movies. I've just uh, always been into the whole... Uh, Mutant ninjas. I just think that's awesome. Right. Uh, right. Ninjas are really sweet. Uh, and hey, you've got mutants on top of it. It's like a superhero and a ninja mixed into one. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Did, was there ever a time where you might have gotten out of it for you know a year or two, or was it always kind of prominent in your life? I never really got particularly out of it. I I hadn't followed them a whole lot. Like, well, I'm giving an example. My 18th birthday, I had a Ninja Turtles. Uh, birthday cake. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. I'm so proud of up, you. <laughs> up to 18, I was still pretty into it. Uh, I still am now, but I guess I, I, did, I hadn't really watched a whole lot. You know, I got married at 19, so life kind of got crazy, mm-hmm. uh, working and everything, so there wasn't really a whole lot, but I was always interested, but I didn't follow the 2003 TV series very much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the 2007 CGI, uh, when that movie came out, I was pretty excited. So I think uh, it was kind of a renaissance for me after the 2007 came back because it was like, oh yeah, I remember. I I love the turtles and <laughs> right. I'm a I'm a retro gamer very much as well. So I have always loved uh, TMNT Turtles in Time. Oh, classic! Uh, I play that game at least once a year, probably every year. I I love it. I love oh, great, a great one. That that is a classic. I think uh, you and I are very similar in you know the way we view the turtles. It's like. I guess starting from my very first memory, uh, what really got me started in the Ninja Turtles, it actually goes all the way back to kindergarten. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, there was a girl that I had a crush on in kindergarten, and I remember telling her one day that I had a crush on her, and she, you know, of course, typical response. Uh, she was like, ew, get away from me! And then and then the next day, she comes in with a VHS of the Case of the Killer Pizzas cartoon episode. I guess that was her way of maybe saying she had a thing for me too I don't know I, you know what I don't remember anything that happened after that I just saw green after that <laughs> so well, what better I, way to say I like you than uh, killer pizzas I know I think you know she, she's a very special person in my life <laughs> don't even know her name <laughs> um, 
but yeah, so I, I took that home, I, I remember, and I remember watching it. It's first episode I'd ever seen the Ninja Turtles. Uh, loved it. It was like, uh, I don't know, it's just it kind of changed my life in a lot of ways. It's just, I, that got me into the cartoon. I started watching that every single day after school. I had a lot of the toys, uh, including, um, you know, a lot of the board games, the video games. Uh, oh, I remember the board game. That was awesome. Oh, yeah, yeah. There, there were a few of them. Oh, gosh, yeah. And and then I, I dressed up. And let me ask you this. Were you ever Ninja Troll for Halloween? Uh, no, no. <gasps> really? No, I wasn't. We didn't really do Halloween growing up. So, oh, okay, well. Yeah, I didn't have the uh, the option. I think I was all of the Turtles, I think, at one point. You know, Oh, I, man, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I know. One year I was Michelangelo, uh, Donatello. I think he was the first one I was. He was my favorite Turtle growing up. But but anyways, um, yeah, I, I did everything, you know, the typical Ninja Turtle fan would do. But for some reason, even when it was kind of getting out of style, or at least, you know, I guess for a brief amount of time, it was almost uncool to be a Ninja Turtle fan, like in the mid-90s. Yeah, I, the next mutation phase. Yeah, well, <laughs> understandably so, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, Turtles 3 and the next mutation kind of... Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, we don't have to mention them right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I just, I, I guess there was a point in time where, uh, you know, it was uncool to be a Ninja Turtles fan, you know. Of course, like, the Power Rangers were really cool at that time, I guess in 94, 95, 96. But I always loved them, uh, even when the original cartoon had been, I don't know if it was canceled or it, was just, it had gone off air, I still loved the Turtles. I would still watch the films over and over again. And even, you know, by the time I was 18, 19 years old, that's when I started reading the comic books. And the comic books kind of got me really into the Turtles. I mean, it get, kind of gave me a deeper love for the entire franchise because it, it offered something completely different, but just as good, you know, as the cartoon did. Absolutely, I agree. I I didn't really get into the comics until Retro Junkies, or uh, you did those Ninja Turtle uh, episodes. Oh well, and, hey, thanks for listening, man. <laughs> yeah, you guys you guys mentioned the comics, and I was like, hey, I gotta check this out, and <laughs> I was completely blown away. Uh, I I got the very first comic, read it, and well, we'll get more into it later, but it's it's pretty awesome. Yes, uh, definitely, definitely. I'm really excited to talk about that, and yeah, and and I. And the, Talking about the, the Junkies episode, we were kind of at a loss for ideas, and we were like, well, why don't we just go for Ninja Turtles? And so we spent uh, two episodes talking about, uh, you know, the video games, the toys, the the films and stuff, and we had so much fun talking about that. We were like, hey, why don't we start a, a podcast uh, dedicated to Ninja Turtles? And, uh, and, and, and really, Landon, he had a lot more... Um, family things going on and everything so he had to take care of those and then I was like well I, I want to ask my buddy Josh uh, if, if he'd like to be on board and, and I was lucky man you were you were all for it oh absolutely I, I was completely stoked I could not believe it. I <laughs> well, was say, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same here man I was like ah yeah, Josh I said if there's one guy that probably loves the news Charles even even more than me I said it's probably Josh so uh, <laughs> so yeah we were really happy to finally get it started but yeah I, I guess to make a short story long um, <laughs> I always had the Ninja Turtles as part of my life in some way or another um, I didn't watch a whole lot of the 2003 cartoon but what I did watch I really liked it but I was working a lot more than when it had come out um, I had I think my first job then and uh, I just didn't get to watch a whole lot of it not because I didn't like it I just didn't have the time for it um, you know the Ninja Turtles have always been a part of my life uh, huge fan of the series probably a, a I'm probably a bigger Ninja Turtles fan than I am anything else that was ever on TV or ever uh, in print for the comic books. So really stoked about about this podcast, um, and yeah, I guess that's why the Ninja Turtles have uh, been really special to me. They've always been a part of my life. We had some 
fans uh, sent in some memories of theirs, you know, what got them into the Ninja Turtles. So let's see what they had to say. We've got a post here from Mike Caravantes, who says, Turtles is my absolute favorite show, but it wasn't always that way. I'd seen the four-episode TV movie when it ran one odd Sunday in syndication, but I never got into the series when it first premiered. Then on my birthday, my best friend, Joseph, gave me a Casey Jones action figure. Oh, nice. Oh, good one, Joseph. <laughs> <laughs> and it was my favorite action figure ever. I don't think to this day Joe knows what he started. <laughs> Sounds like you started a fire there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting. So, so was he saying that he actually didn't get in the show till after it had already been off air? Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Yeah, uh, wow. Sunday syndic, insig- yeah, one odd Sunday in syndication. So yeah, I think that was uh, after, after it had uh, seen the limelight. I guess. Wow, that that's uh, actually that's a good testament to the, to the show that you know even if it after it was gone, it still appealed to some fans. Absolutely. Okay, it looks like Rod Hawk says my first turtle memory is kind of a long one. Me and my older brother met two twin boys back when I was six years old. These two boys had almost everything Ninja Turtle imaginable from the mid-80s. Anyway, we played Turtles every single day. I was Donatello, Troy was Leo, Ryan was Mike, and Trevor was Raph. Similar to our Turtles, we chose them off of our personality. We saw all three of the original movies together. We even went to the lengths of playing in... in I just, I'm just now reading this for the first time. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> uh, we even went to the lengths of playing in an old drain pipe. Wow, that's dangerous. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah. uh, the best part about playing Turtles um, all those years ago, 26 years later, I'm still happy to say that I call those two, uh, those two boys my best friends. And in 2014, all four of us are getting our respectful turtle tattoos on our legs. That's awesome. <laughs> wow. That's dedication. Yeah. Uh, that's a really cool too that they also picked the turtles according to you know the personalities you know who they wanted to be that so is pretty cool let me ask you josh um, who was your turtle like who do you think now if these might be two different answers who do you think you were a lot like you know as say if you know personality wise were you like mikey you know were you like leo so who do you think you are like and who did you want to be like okay so I would say I'm probably most like Donatello because I am a complete and total nerd <laughs> and geek, which I always thought he was cool. You know, I, I liked all the inventions and stuff. That was always cool. I always wanted to be like Leonardo because he seemed like he was the leader, not just to be the leader, but he seemed like the true blue good guy. Yes. Always really nice and doing the right thing. And I, I always wanted to be the good guy and do the right thing. Oh. Which, uh, not to say that I don't now, but I'm just a really <laughs> huge nerd, so. <laughs> oh, good answer, man. Oh, you're going to really make me look bad. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I guess I have to go with Donatello. Um, as a kid, I loved Donatello. He was my favorite turtle. And I'm definitely a nerd these days, uh, as you, pro- you guys can probably already tell. But I think I always kind of wanted to be like Raph. You know, I wanted to be that, that uh, cool, kind of tough guy. But, you know, I, I definitely am not him. <laughs> He's just the guy I always wanted to be. Let me uh, ask you something, Rob. Do you think you could take on Casey Jones? Take on Casey Jones? No way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's a so hockey player, man. We are then. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Casey Jones, he's another one. You know, if I could pick another character, I'd like to be like Casey Jones was one of them. You know, uh, a vigilante that wears a hockey mask. I'm a big hockey fan anyway, so uh, I always thought he was cool looking in the film and and, and in the cartoon, and I always wanted the toys, so he's another one, I think. uh, And not many people can pull off sweatpants, but he doesn't. (laughs) Okay, we have another memory from Juan Justino, 
who writes, My first introduction to the Ninja Turtles was the first NES game on a PlayChoice 10 arcade at my local arcade in Puerto Rico. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I was like 10 or 11 years old. I used to be in love with the game, even though most people today believe that it's a bad game. Uh, well, that's debatable. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I think the music is phenomenal. Anyways, a few months after falling in love with the NES game at my local arcade, I visited a Time Out, I guess that's uh, the name of an arcade, mm-hmm. at a mall in my area. I was blown away when I saw a gigantic four-player TMNT arcade game. Oh, good one. <laughs> yeah, the side art on that thing is amazing. Oh, I know, I agree. It was my first time seeing the iconic game by Konami. I watched people play the game for hours, and still in disbelief that such an amazing game existed. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the joysticks and buttons were color, color-coded to correspond with each turtle. The sound of the Foot Clan soldiers exploding and amazing music was all that was needed to blow a kid's mind in 1989. <laughs> Needless to say, the game came, uh, extremely, became extremely popular, and I played it until I memorized every pattern and every glitch <laughs> <laughs> while in the 5th and 6th grade. But the greatest memory that I have from is from when my parents rented me a copy of the TMNT2 arcade game for the NES the day I finished the sixth grade. Great cowabunga times. Absolutely. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Let's see. Anthony Farrar says, uh, For Christmas, when I was five years old, I got the turtle blimp. I was ecstatic. Running around the house, uh, sped, through fin- uh, sped through finishing, unwrapping the rest of my presents so that my dad would blow it up for me. Of course, roughly about 30 seconds after it was blown up, my little brother poked it with something sharp and popped it. Still, oh, oh. <laughs> I know. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I know. Still, that was a pretty sweet 30 seconds. <laughs> so that's awesome. I was going to say, I'm pretty jealous of him even today, but I guess not. He's got a popped one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I never, see, I never had the turtle blimp. Did you? No, definitely not. Yeah. No, I had the van, though, but I think I got the van probably in about the condition I have it today. I think I got it second <laughs> somewhere, but yeah. If uh, if you had the blimp, you were probably one of the cool kids. Yeah. For 30 <laughs> seconds, I think he was. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got one more. It's from B. Ligon Zero. Sorry, I'm probably not reading that right. Um, the cartoons and action figures the way then gave way to the games. The NES cart was one of the hardest to beat, mostly due to the sewer jump. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The uh, angry video game nerd is a pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I've seen that one. <laughs> you could just walk over it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think you know it's kind of nice to see that people are kind of giving the original game some love because I think that that people are a little hard on that first game. They know? are. They're critical on it. All NES games were hard back in the day, if you if you remember. So I mean, it was tough, but I don't think it was uh, ridiculously tough like Ninja Gaiden or something. Oh like yeah, that. yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, but he goes on, the arcade title was uh, Multiplayer Joy for Years. I had two NES Advantage controllers. Oh, man, he made it official. <laughs> nice. <laughs> for that, then later the SNES version of Street Fighter was fun as well. Awesome, awesome. Well, speaking of all the toys and everything, I guess we better get into the toy that uh, we were going to talk about this um, uh, this episode or this week. And that would be the very first Playmates toy line, 1988 Playmates toy line, Leonardo action figure. Uh, Josh, did you have this? Uh, yes, yeah, I got this one uh, at the same time as all the other turtles, so I didn't get it 
um, you know, aside from anything, it was packaged in a one. Like I said, I don't remember the packaging, um, but yeah, Leo was awesome, and he was, you know, my favorite was always between Raph and Leo because Leo was the good guy. So, <laughs> uh, he's, yeah, he definitely got uh, more action than uh, than Mike or Donnie at least. <laughs> oh, awesome, awesome! See, I I never uh, I never had the uh, Leonardo action figure. I had the Don. I think I still have Donatello. I've got Michelangelo. I've got Raph. But I do not have Leo. That's like the one that got away. I just, I just never had it. Now, l- let me ask you this: Was this? Uh, you said you had gotten the the four turtles. Was that the the four, the original toy line turtles yeah. that you got? Yeah. Nice, man. Your yeah. mom really did do well. <laughs> yeah, she ordered them out of a catalog or something. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I, I do know that the toy line came out. I think just a couple of months after the uh, cartoon came out. Yeah, um, actually, the car- the cartoon has Playmates toys uh, listed at the bottom in the credits. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. It kind of reminded me of uh, I know Transformers, the the toy line and the cartoon are very uh, closely tied, and I think it's a similar case with uh, TMNT uh, TV show. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Uh, as a matter of fact, this week I did a little bit more research on it. That uh, one of the main reasons why they started the cartoon was to sell the toys. You know, Playmates was really was really interested in the comic books, but they were a little hesitant because they wanted to they wanted to branch out and create their own. Um, you know toy license with a lot of these new franchises like the Ninja Turtles, but they, they were afraid that the Ninja Turtles might be a little bit too violent for kids. As soon as the cartoon was released, a few months after that, uh, they decided to go out with the, or they decided to put out the, the toy line, the original 1988 toy line. Because I think the first episode aired in 1987, and then I think the summer of 1988 is when the toy line came out. So I thought that was interesting because the first episode was actually December... Uh... 1987, but it was December 27th or 28th. Yeah. So yeah. when I saw that, I was like, "Oh wait, Playmates toys! They must have they must have thought of this ahead of time for Christmas." But it was actually after Christmas. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They they didn't re- release it till I think May or or June. The the toy line. You know, again, I I didn't have the Leo. I had uh I had the Donatello. I think that was the first one I had gotten out of the original toy line, and then I think I had gotten Michelangelo after that. But let's see if any of our fans got any. Let's see. Okay, it looks like our buddy James Gruesome from, um, he's from Excess Gaming Podcast. He's a good friend of ours, fellow Ninja Turtle fan. So he says he did have the, uh, the 1988 Leonardo. He said, I had him second, I had him second and Mikey next. Uh, Leo's swords were pretty awesome. He probably came from Kmart. I'm not sure why I never got the others. I had a few figures from a bunch of the different shows and lines. So James uh, said one of his first toys was a Leonardo, so that's awesome. We have a comment from Ray A. Flores. He said, yep, had this one. My mom got it for me at Woolworth Department Store. That store had the best selection of toys. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. There was actually one back where I lived in uh, Gloucester City, and, uh, and I remember um, I'd go down the toy aisle with my dad or my mom, and, and uh, I don't know, there was just some kind of like aura around the uh, Ninja Turtle toys, man. When you saw those in a store, you were, it was just like, you, you know, know, it's really cool. It's funny you mention that. Whenever we go to Walmart, I've got to go down the toy aisle, and there's a whole Ninja Turtle section now. Yeah, like, I know, I know. I, I just couldn't believe that. We were talking about earlier how it's a good time to be a Turtles fan. I mean, they're on TV, movies, video games, and then the toy aisle. They got they got a whole section in the toy aisle. It's so <laughs> cool. <laughs> I know, I know. And as a matter of fact, the one uh, uh, near our town uh, here in North Carolina, every time I go down the toy aisle now, all the Ninja Turtle go- the toys are gone. You know, you might find like a dog pound or a fish face or whatever, but none, nothing else. You know, all the Turtles are gone. They're always sold out. Uh, so it it just blows my mind that it it like you said it's going through some kind of renaissance right now and it's awesome. It is, yeah. I, I was at Walmart and I I snagged Shredder and Splinter. 
Oh, nice. And, yeah, because they, they must have had just stocked it because it was full. And I was like, oh, man, if I'm going to get the rare ones, I better get them now. Yeah. <laughs> and I almost I almost got all four turtles, but I didn't want to drop that kind of cash at the time. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I think I'm going to be able to find those later. Let me get the one-off, guys. Not really one-offs, but, you know, it's always hard to find Shredder. And I was digging for him and digging for him and didn't find him. And then I, I think I lifted up that. They had a, a play set of uh, alleyway uh, action or something. Yeah. I lifted up, and there he is. There's Shredder. I was like, yeah, I knew he was here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I could sense a disturbance in the force. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, that's wrong franchise. <laughs> yeah, they had April, too. I almost picked her up, but uh, I think I might. I might have to make another trip out to Walmart and uh, complete my collection <laughs> soon because uh, – my wife was telling me, she's like, ah, you better pick up what you want now because they're not going to last. And yeah. she's always right about those kind of things. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. That's she's awesome. Because like, she's like, ah, I don't want to have to hear you whining about, oh, I should have got it and I didn't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that boy sounds just like my wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's pretty awesome. And now it's time for Casey's Comic Classroom. It looks like you're the one who used to be taught a lesson, pal. You're stuck to Casey Jones. The original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic uh, was released on May 5th, 1984. It was released at the Portsmouth, New Hampshire Comic Show in uh, Holiday Inn. So basically the background is uh, Peter Liard and Kevin Eastman were uh, friends. They got together. They used, uh, apparently, from what I've heard, their tax return money and a loan from an uncle <laughs> to fund the first episode, or the first issue, I'm sorry. They weren't really sure how it was going to turn out. It was mainly uh, kind of set up to be a parody of uh, a couple other comics at the time. And they thought it was funny. It all started with a drawing of, uh, I guess, Michelangelo, because he had the nunchucks. <laughs> <laughs> they, they thought it was funny, and they, they picked it up and ran with it. So um, I've got a couple notes here uh, from the fourth printing of the TMNT issue number one in 1985. Uh, there was a, a section in the front with some interesting notes uh, about Kevin and Peter. So Kevin was doubtful that they would sell all 3,000 copies of their first printing, which is kind of funny because wow. they flew off the shelves. Well, by in 1985, uh, in this interview, uh, Kevin says that they're going for $85, which oh. the cover price, which probably about $4. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh, just a couple of years earlier. Um, and today, a first edition of the 1984 um, goes for about anywhere, depending on the condition, from about $4,000 to $10,000 if it's in very good condition. Wow. Um, but, yeah, so we went from uh, about... Well, probably a couple dollars in, uh, when it was first released to uh, $85 in 1985 and up to $165 in 1988. So the price quickly went up and up. Just a smash hit. So yeah. uh, they had to keep printing them. They did uh, another printing of just a couple of weeks after the first, uh, the first printing sold out in three weeks. Hmm. Uh, and a second printing was done about a month later, which all those sold out as well. Uh, they, did, they did another printing uh, in 1984 of 6,000, and in 1985, 35,000. Wow. So they had uh, done 44,000 copies uh, by 1985. So definitely in demand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, some of the uh, interesting notes about the origins. Um, Kevin Eastman at one point had put a vegetable grater on his hand and said, how about a villain with these on his arms and hands? We should call him Great Man. <laughs> really? <laughs> that was, yes, that was the birth of the Shredder. Um, I, I don't know, either Kevin Eastman or Peter Liard actually said that, yeah. Um, and then uh, Peter Liard also says that Splinter was uh, kind of a counterpart to Frank Miller's stick in Daredevil. I guess uh, in in Daredevil, the comic, there's a character uh, called Stick that's sort of a, a mentor as well, which is pretty funny. <laughs> that's, that's really neat. I, I had no idea. 
Um, and then also, uh, they weren't quite sure why they chose Splinter to be a rat, uh, but they said perhaps it was because they were thinking of a rat being a stowaway from Japan. And the, the cover, actually, the cover of the original um, comic was modeled uh, after the style of Frank Miller's Ronin comic. Oh, wow. And actually, there's another reference to Daredevil as well um, when, you, when you start talking about the origin. And uh, I will, I'll get to that as we go through the story. So the first time I read this was probably uh, just a couple months ago when I listened to the first Retro Junkies. Uh, oh, nice. Uh, cool. When you guys were talking about the comic books, yeah. And you guys were talking about how awesome they were. I was like, hey, I love the Turtles. I've heard the comic books are pretty sweet. Let me check them out. And I'm really not a comic guy mm-hmm. as much as I am a nerd. I'm really into <laughs> video games, into computers. I think comics are cool. Comic books are cool. But I was just never really into reading them all the time or, right. you know, stuff like that so it's kind of funny that it wasn't really superheroes but it was the turtles that have gotten me into comics <laughs> which uh yeah so and now i'm i'm going crazy with them i've got a couple books and several issues now <laughs> nice nice man that that's fantastic I'll, I'll tell you i'll tell you what my experience with the original comic series is very limited uh and that's why i'm really excited to do this podcast because i'm reading a lot of these things for the first time um, I, I got really heavy into comics when I was, a, you know, roughly around a teenager. Um, I was a huge X-Men comic collector, loved Batman, Spawn, Wildcats, The Crow, uh, the Marvel Star Wars series. I, I've, I've got a lot of those, Spider-Man. Um, and as a teenager, I'd always known that the Ninja Turtles were based on a comic book from the mid-'80s, but uh, I could never find many issues in the comic shop that was near our house in New Jersey. Um, and when when I could, you know, if it, if it was an early enough issue, I couldn't afford it. You know, it was just too much. I had a lot of the Archie uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics that had come out in the late 80s, and I think they went all the way to the mid-90s, um, which I loved because they were very similar to the cartoon, but you know had their different storylines. But I wanted to read the original Ninja Turtle comic books uh, because that's the original vision of the Ninja Turtles. I have almost the entire run of the Archie series. Uh, I've got a few of the Image comic series, which was a very violent and kind of totally different take on the Ninja Turtles. Uh, than anything else, but still really interesting to read nonetheless. I've got uh, almost the entire f- uh, run of the fourth volume of the Ninja Turtles and the Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that came out in the early 2000s. Um, and I've collected probably about 20 issues of the original series, you know, but I think the the earliest one I have from the original series is like uh, issue seven or eight. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is that this week, this past week, was the first time I had read the very first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comic that was ever made or ever written. I was blown away, you know. Uh, first of all, like, uh, well, first of all, what do you think, Josh? I mean, did you think after reading this, it was a good comic? Absolutely. I mean, I was completely blown away, like, like you were. I mean, even just looking at the cover. So I have, I have a color reprint of the original. I don't have the black and white one, obviously, because <laughs> those are expensive. Yeah, <laughs> kind of pricey. Um, I picked up, uh, there's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Works, Volume 1, which is, uh, it collects uh, several of the original ones, but they're reprinted in color. It's the first seven issues, actually. So I have that, and then I was I was lucky, lucky enough to find the Color Classics individual issues. Um, those are out of print, but those are a little bit more affordable. But back to what I was saying. So when I saw the cover, it was in color, which right at the top, uh, in the word Turtles, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles is in all white, and there's a red bloodstained katana going through the word turtles. <laughs> right from there, you know they mean business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely the the truth because, you know, I, I think within what the first page or something, uh, or first or second page, somebody gets killed. 
Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and and on the front cover, like I said, you see blood. They're in business, and then it's interesting in the color version. All of the turtles have a red bandana. So just looking at the cover in color, you know, this is totally different. I mean, not totally different, but it's it's a different animal. You know, they don't have different color bandanas. They're more violent. And uh, But it's funny that uh, you guys had mentioned, I think, on uh, Retro Junkies, this particular shot, this is a very iconic shot of the four turtles on the rooftop with the weapons drawn. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of familiar, but letting you know, hey, there's something different. But, uh, yeah, like you said, very straight away, uh, they're in a fight with a gang, the uh, 15 members of the Purple Dragons. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so Leo is, uh, Leo is narrating the story. We took a wrong turn somewhere. Now we're caught. Our backs are to the wall in this trash-strewn alley. Barring our way out are 15 members of the Purple Dragons, the toughest street gang on the east side. The only way that they'll let us out is if we're dead. Hmm. So pretty much right away, life-and-death situation, and they've got to bust out their weapons and get to work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, talking about the first page, it says here, um, this is what Leonardo is saying, I hold my katana in a relaxed, ready position. To my left, Donatello and Michelangelo follow suit with staff and nunchucks. Raphael guards my right. I sense his body quivering with the tense energy waiting to be released, or waiting to be triggered into a savage, slashing release. I'm like, oh my gosh, I think they're going to kill somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're poised for uh, to deal out some death and destruction. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. And then uh, and then right after that that page there, um, it, it shows all four of the turtles, you know, about to strike. And I'm like, wow, what, a, what an awesome intro to a comic book. In that shot right there, you know what that is? That is Turtles 1, where they freeze frame. What, yes. Look, they're jumping. This guy, get him. It's the exact same shot. It's, you're exactly right. I just I was thinking the same thing. You know, <laughs> where it freezes. They're right. They're just about to jump over uh, around the corner. Uh, you know, when they're in the sewers in the film, they're just about to jump around the corner, and then it freezes, where you just see the silhouettes of the, you know, I guess the shadow of them all along the wall. And then, and then in the second one, they did the same thing, like they're all jumping in the air, uh, about to attack. So that that's another iconic kind of uh, pose, I guess. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, like you're saying, I mean, they go right to action. I was surprised the uh, the gangsters actually start using guns right right on uh, page four at the yeah, bottom. Yeah, I know, I know. Leonardo says, I cut two on the way down. And then on page five, the top of page five, Raph's stabbing two guys with a size. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, right right in the abdomen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that can't feel very good. No. The the Purple Dragons, they go, yeah, who are these guys? Uh, don't know. Some kind of freaks. But even freaks can bleed. Cut them. And then uh, Leonardo says, yes, we can bleed. And so can you. And it just shows two knives on the ground after Leonardo had struck uh, with blood uh, kind of right next to him. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was it was pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was good, and then uh, I love the artwork on page nine. It just kind of shows like the cityscape, um, and for I, I have the black and white version, but it, it just seems so gritty looking, uh, and and it's so detailed. You know, you just kind of show this one uh, alleyway, uh, and then you just see like the the backdrop of the city in the background. It just I don't know the artwork in this is phenomenal. I, I was very impressed. Right, and so. Just like you're saying, it's it's cool. So they're they're showing they're they're fighting, shooting, stabbing. They come out on top. They win. And and as it transitions to that, the turtles are talking about them getting away. Uh, the, the cops are coming, and they say, 
We do not like to run from those who would be our allies, but we must. They would not understand us. The storm drain beckons. We are never far from a means of escape for those who are trained in the way of ninjutsu. We strike hard and fade away into the night. And then you get cityscape, and you got some papers blown across the empty street. Just awesome. I love every every part of that. That was one of the coolest intros to a comic book. And then, you know, from there on, they go right into the origin story. Uh, that's the first, I guess, page 10 is the first appearance of Splinter. And Splinter, you know, basically put them on this mission as a test to see how they would do against the Purple Dragons. Yeah, I, I thought it was kind of funny. If you look at uh, the bottom of page 10, it shows Splinter talking to the turtles. But on the left-hand side, you can see Turtles' bookshelf. And there's a couple of books there. And you <laughs> yeah. can make out the titles. I thought they were kind of funny. Yeah, uh, there was one. What does it say? Care for your... Your care and keeping of your turtle. Yep, yeah, that's one of them. There's also uh, the Book of the Five Rings. I'm not sure what that is. Yeah. I don't know if that's a uh, reference to Lord of the Rings or what that is. That's immediately what I thought of, but I don't know if that's it. <laughs> yeah, uh, and then there's uh, Jansen's Art History and uh, Tao of Jeet Kune Do and the Ninja. <laughs> and the Ninja. I see the Ninja, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, th- I think there's a lot of little uh, Easter eggs like that in, the, in, this, uh, in this series. I'm looking forward to a lot more of them. Yeah. But I, boy, I'll tell you what, though. Um, I love this backstory, but man, it's incredibly violent. I mean, it definitely matches the tone of everything else that's been going on so far. Yeah. So the turtles come back from their first fight, and Splinter says uh, they're now ready for the mission for which he has been training them for the past 13 years. And so Splinter goes on to explain his story. Uh, he says uh, 20 years ago, he was the pet of Hamato Yoshi who was a shadow warrior of the Foot Clan. And uh, Splinter was mimicking his movements as he was watching uh, his master practice, which uh, amused his master. <laughs> which that would be pretty sweet if you had a rat mimicking your ninja movements. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I want to get one of those. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so in the, uh, in the Foot Clan, Oroko Nagi and Hamato Yoshi completed for, competed for the love of Tang Shen. Uh, so Tang Shen is the, uh, the beautiful girl that they are both in love with. And Nagi beat Shen... Uh, when she refused to uh, to become his girlfriend or whatever, mm-hmm. um, so he was he was going after her. She turns him down, and he starts to get violent. So, um, Master Yoshi comes in and finds Nagi, you know, hurting his uh, hurting his girlfriend Shen, and he goes into a, a red haze. It says, "Oh yeah." And when the red haze cleared, Nagi was no more, and uh, so he comes in and just pretty much beats him to death. Uh, yeah. Pretty brutal. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, you, you get that, that uh, one scene where Nagi uh, is holding, uh, is it Tang Shen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's holding her, and, and uh, his, his fists, uh, his, his shirt's torn, and his fist is kind of uh, bloody from hitting her. And then Yoshi goes, like, into this kind of, uh, what is it, a red haze? Yeah. Yeah, red haze. And, and, then, and then the next scene you get, the next sketch you get... It says, and when it cleared, Nagi was no more, and and uh, Yoshi's fists are dripping with blood, and I'm Absolutely. like, holy cow! So he killed him with his bare fists. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, jeez. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, this is quite different from the origin story that we're about to talk about in the cartoon. <laughs> yeah, whatever you do, uh, don't mess with Yoshi's girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's kind of hardcore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So because uh, Hamato Yoshi killed. Um, Oroko Nagi, a fellow member of the Foot Clan, uh, he was disgraced. So he had to uh, flee to New York. Um, he didn't really have much of an option. So he flew to New York and started a martial arts school. And so he, was, he had to flee to uh, New York to leave 
Japan because he had disgraced the Foot Clan. Now, Oroko Saki comes into the picture now. Oroko Saki is the younger brother of Oroko Nagi. Mm-hmm. So Oroko Nagi was killed by Hamada Yoshi, and then Oroko Saki vows revenge on Hamada Yoshi for killing his uh, older brother. Mm-hmm. So Oroko Saki, at the age of 18, was made the head of the New York branch of the Foot Clan. So he's sent to New York, and that's where Oroko Saki and Hamada Yoshi meet up. Yeah, so after he moves to New York, uh, and he's the leader of the Foot Clan, the New York branch, uh, under Saki's leadership, the Foot Clan was soon dominant in many criminal activities, including drug smuggling, arms running, and other and their specialty, assassination. And Saki earns the name the Shredder. So that's pretty dark. I mean, yeah. in the cartoon series, he's kind of tooling around just trying to take over the city. But, uh, I mean... Drug running, uh, dr- drug smuggling, arms running. I mean, it's pretty hardcore stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's pretty much a, a gangster. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a thug. Uh, and actually, later in the in the comic, he's actually trying to get... It sounds like he's trying to get pretty much protection money from somebody. He's uh, basically doing extortion. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and the turtles kind of foil that. But So, Hamada Yoshi and Shen are murdered by Saki, uh, actually, because Oroko Saki gets to... If he finds out that Yoshi's there, he finds, he finds Tang Shen at home, and he kills her. Hamada Yoshi comes home, and um, Orokosaki kills him, and in the struggle, Splinter's cage was smashed, and Splinter escapes. Right. So this, this uh, you'll notice this follows pretty closely the story, the it's origin story of the movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, except, like, you know, they, they kind of combine the Saki and the Nagi character into one in the movie. So... After uh, Splinter's cage is broken and his master and Shen have been murdered, uh, Splinter ends up going to the streets trying to fend uh, for food uh, just to survive. And one day, there was a blind man crossing the street, and a truck swerved because it almost hit the blind man. A young guy dove out and pushed the blind man out of the way, and the young man was hit by a canister that fell off the truck as the truck swerved. Now, it's interesting here, the Color Classics version that I have specifically states that the canister fell off the truck and struck the young man near his eyes. There's another reprinting of the comic, a later reprinting of it, that doesn't specifically mention it it hitting him near the eyes. And I was wondering why that was, and I found out that actually uh, that's another link to um, Daredevil. I believe Daredevil is blind because he was struck near the eyes by an object that made him blind. So oh. that that was another reference to Daredevil that ended up getting taken out and later reprinting. Oh wow! How cool yeah. is that? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Huh. So the canister continued bouncing and uh, smashed a young boy's glass bowl with three turtles. And obviously, the canister and the turtles go down the go down the sewer, and Splinter follows down. Uh, and Splinter gathers them up in a coffee can, just like in the movie. They're covered in the ooze, and they both mutate because they're covered in the ooze. Um, and it's interesting to note that they actually call it Ooze by name, and it's green in the comic book, um, because in the TV series, uh, it's a little bit different, and we'll get to that later. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and uh, I thought it was funny as it's going through, it's it's talking about Splinter's explaining how uh, the turtles are starting to grow up, and uh, they're getting larger, and they're starting to talk, and... Uh, in my color classics version, you can't read what they're saying, but in the later printing, uh, one of the later printings I was reading, I, they actually put little words in the bubbles, uh, and they say uh, "radical" and "Star Trek" and "pizza." <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, pizza, pizza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I was expecting him to say Cowabunga, but I guess they weren't there yet. Although I guess in the movie, Shredder or uh, Splinter is the one who comes up with that. That's right? true. That's true. Yeah. I've always been fond of Cowabunga. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, so Splinter explains the backstory of how everything got started and, and tells them, you know, this is why I trained you so that you can avenge my master Yoshi and kill the Shredder. They're fully grown and now they're ready for their mission that Splinter has been training them for. So uh, Raphael goes out to uh, send a challenge to the Shredder. So Raphael goes out on his own, which I'm sure he loves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, he actually mentions it specifically how he loves being out in the night air, and he's he's poised on top of the building, just looking around, mm-hmm. happy to be out of the dank sewers, <laughs> looking for trouble. <laughs> that's Raph, right? That's right. That's right. For the very first uh, issue, we already have you know Raph's character pretty much pinned down. Yeah. So he goes out. He finds two guards and decides those guards are going to be his calling card. And he mercilessly slices. Oh, them. I know. I know. Runs right past him and uh, slices him as he runs by. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you see on, on page 21 there, uh, I, I thought that was pretty cool at the bottom, where uh, there's another guard, and he, he says he thinks he can take Raph by himself. So the guard goes, who are you, ninja? And Raph goes, turtle. <laughs> <laughs> and Raph uh, takes them out in midair. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. And, and when we land, I'm standing, and he isn't. Now to my task. So uh, Raph... Wraps up a message around his sigh, and he can see Oroko Saki inside dealing uh, with some business folk. And it looks like he's telling them that they need to pay him protection money. So, like I was saying, mm-hmm. Saki is trying to do, um, tr- you know, trying to extort these businessmen, saying, "You need my protection because I'm the strongest, and we'll keep you safe." Mm-hmm. And Raf throws a sigh straight through the window, smashes through the window, and and sticks in the wall. And the businessmen go, "Oh, good lord, what is that?" <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And Saki opens it up and sees that it's a challenge from the turtles. Well, I like and, how Saki actually whacks it out of midair, too, because you can see it breaking through the, the uh, window, and then you see him kind of swinging. He's going, yeah! Yeah, you're right, yeah. So, so technically, he did protect them. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he deflected it. He pulled it out of the way like Highlander or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so he reads Raph's note, which, uh, which says, You have shamed and dishonored the name of your family by murdering Hamada Yoshi. I give you the chance to regain your honor. Meet my four disciples for a duel to the death tomorrow night at the following address. And the address is kind of smudged out. I guess they don't want people actually going there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does that say hi at the very corner? Um, you, you see the letter? It's, it looks like right next to Fitzroy it says hi. H-I. Oh, yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed that now, but sorry. <laughs> that is kind of funny. <laughs> Splinter Fellow like, hey, hey there, yeah. I'm yeah, yeah. Hi. <laughs> So uh, the businessmen say, Mr. Oroku, is this the protection that you have as purchase? If you cannot keep your own complex secure, then we cannot believe that your protection is worth anything. Goodbye, sir. <laughs> so Splinter is pretty upset uh, because we've just foiled his extortion bit, and he's, he's lost respect with the businessmen, and now he's decided that there will be a duel. I love, uh, I love though, when, when they're, they're going to find Shredder, he accepts their challenge. And uh, on page 25... You know, they get up, the turtles get up on the roof, and they're looking for Shredder, and they don't see him. They say, Shredder, face us! And Shredder's just kind of in the background, poised. Oh, yeah, just, just the way he's sitting, he just looks like he's, uh, you know, a predator just kind of looking over his prey. I don't know, it, looked, it really looked cool. Yeah, it is It is very awesome. He's just he's just kind of poised, calmly checking him out, you know? Yeah. He, he's just like a lion ready to, ready to pounce. It's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, that's true. That's a good way to put it. They're saying, Shredder, do you fear us? And he says, here I am. Come face your doom. And he, he jumps down. And it's it's funny, the uh, the shot where, where he jumps down and lands on the building uh, at, the top, at the top of page 27. 
Uh, I know where you're going with this. Across? Yeah, exactly. Take it away. Uh, the film, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where he just jumps down. Mm-hmm. You're talking yeah. about the rooftop scene with the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, like, if you just watch the film, you don't read the comic book, you think, wait wait a minute, where did he come from? Did he drop from a helicopter or something? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> the foot soldiers, you know, they can fly a helicopter. Yeah. Standard training. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, they, they may be kids, but they can still... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, so they make short work of the foot ninjas, and, I mean, that's a pretty bloody battle right there. And then, finally... The Shredder, I mean, Shredder, I guess he's just waiting there, you know, till uh, the foot soldiers. And, and, and the foot soldiers, they did some damage to the, the, the turtles, because it actually shows the turtles all cut up and stuff. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that the foot soldiers actually, like you were saying, they did some damage to the yeah, turtles. Yeah, yeah, they actually so, slowed them down. They weren't useless yeah. like they are in the cartoon. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, and they're people instead of robots, so it's, there's actually blood, which is, you know, interesting. Yeah. And just like in the movie, uh, they attack one by one. I know, Rob, you were talking about this. Uh, you thought it was funny, too. Uh, one by one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I loved... One of my favorite scenes in the entire um, Ninja Turtles film um, was where they just face off one one at a time. And I think like the first one to strike them is, is Michelangelo, and he gets flipped over in the film. And then uh, Raph, he, he, uh, he's... I think like one move and Shredder trips him over and Donnie gets in there Shredder makes short work of him and then the only one at least in the film to land a hit on uh, the Shredder was Leo you know which always made me think well maybe he's the best fighter out of them all but uh, I don't know I just love how the Shredder is that ridiculously good but usually you know he just sends a lot of his henchmen to take care of most of the dirty work but if he has to he can take care of himself that's right you don't want to mess with the Shredder no <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's interesting here that the first one to attack is Raph, which you would think would be more consistent with the with the story. Right, I um, agree. So I yeah, I think the comics got a little bit a one up on there, you know. Yeah. I think Raph would have attacked first, but uh, yeah, you can see when he actually slices Raph a little bit as uh, as he knocks Raph away on his first attack, mm-hmm. and then it looks like Donatello uh, attacks second, and uh, the Shredder takes a chunk off his shell. It looks like. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's a little bit just in uh, in his punch, so he's. He's dealing out some damage. Yeah. Uh, so you, know, finally, you know what? I'm sorry. Uh, you know what I notice is I might be wrong on that. I actually think Raphael was the first one to attack. Because remember, remember Donnie and um, uh, Mikey in in the film, they were like doing paper, rock, scissors, or who's going to go next. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're <laughs> right. Okay. So I might be wrong on that. It's, it's been okay. a while. We'll have, to, we'll have to catch it up on uh, green screen. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so uh, we've got Raph and then Donnie and then Mikey. Mikey pretty much just gets thrown away <laughs> yeah <laughs> he, he doesn't really get too much damage but shredder's like uh get that out of here <laughs> yeah amateurs <laughs> uh and then finally leonardo leonardo attacks and it's interesting uh shredder says come guy jin g-a-i-j-i-n your brothers have fallen you are next this is what he says to leonardo mm-hmm. which uh i think in another printing they used uh, a, a different word i think it's the japanese word for demon the other oh, one that wow. used, yeah, uh, yeah. This is uh, so the one I'm looking at now. I and the one I was talking about. This was like a Comic Con reprint, and in the Comic Con reprint, this is the one where they took out um, specifically mentioning and hitting him in the eyes, the uh, the canister. Huh. So this printing is a little bit different, and there's uh, it says in the in the beginning of this printing that some of the things were changed. Uh, I think it's kaiju. I'm almost positive. Kaiju. I wonder what that. You said that word means demon. I believe it does. I think it's got several meanings. Oh, it's Kappa. K-A-P-P-A. Oh, that was in uh, the Turtle 3 film. Okay. Remember, they say Kappa. 
Okay, yeah, there it is. Oh, sure enough. Okay. Yeah, so I, I think it does mean demon, because I think they were called demons in the third one, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, and then remember, they were, every time they'd uh, see the turtles, they would say Kappa, then they'd, you know, freak out and run away. <laughs> you know? So I'd say, I'd say it's definitely not in a term of endearment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Gaijin is in the Color Classics, and Kappa is in, uh, in the some Comic-Con reprint. So fans educate us as to what those two words mean and the difference between the two. Yes, (laughs) I agree. I think it has something to do with demon, but uh, like Rob said, I don't think it's a term of endearment. (laughs) So I think he's he's trying to uh, to taunt Leonardo as the last turtle that hasn't attacked him. Like, come on, bring it. Yeah, yeah. And once again, when when Leo jumps at him and stuff, he lands a hit on Shredder. So I I think the film kind of, that was a nice nod uh, to the comics. Uh, yeah, yeah, because you look at Shredder's chest and it's completely shredded. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, yeah. I had to go there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Leo tagged him with both katanas there. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty bloody. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome looking. And then what do they do? They decide to throw some uh, shurikens at him. Yes, yeah, ninja stars. Yeah, and they're shurikens. I don't know if there's a different. Oh, yeah. Well, they throw several things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they pretty much throw everything at him. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> they tag a couple hits on him, uh, and then. Uh, Raph goes, dodge these, master, and throws both of his sigh. And uh, Shredder does uh, a little bit of acrobatics and manages, <laughs> looks like he manages to dodge them there. He did. He did. Yeah. But then he lands right in, uh, um, is it Raph's knee or something like that? Yeah, yeah, he need him right yeah. in there. Right in the gut. Yep. <laughs> and then, Donatello. oh, who, who knocks, yeah, Donatello knocks his mask off. Yeah, Donatello, looks like he hits him with a kidney shot from behind, and then he comes across with the bow right across the face and smashes the mask off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then the bottom of... Okay, so, yeah, so Donnie knocks the mask off, and then Shredder goes, you are o- overly confident, fool. And then um, he goes to attack Leonardo. Leo says, perhaps he is Shredder, but perhaps not. And then that scene there, um, it looks like the Shredder goes to punch him. Uh, Leo deflects it, and with his other sword, bashes it right through uh, Shredder's uh, stomach, right through his back and everything, right out his back. And just to see... Shredder's face and the uh, sword sticking or the katana sticking out of his back. It's just holy cow. I just, when I first read this, I didn't even know Shredder died in the first issue. Or at least, does, does he die in the series? Is that it for him? I don't know. Uh, I don't either. I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's definitely not doing too hot right now. No, he's got no. <laughs> but uh, it looks, it's like, uh, like Rob was saying, it's, it's really an interesting picture at the uh, bottom of page 36. So Leonardo, it looks like him and Shredder are almost hugging. And you can see Shredder's face. And he's just got this, this look on his face like, you know, I can't believe what just happened. Yeah, almost like shock. I know, it's yeah. crazy. And and then you, it looks like they're hugging, but if you look out at the back of Shredder, you can see Leo's katana just bursting out the back of him with blood all over the place. It's it's pretty intense. Yeah, and, and then uh, right after that, uh, Leo goes, "Now you're beaten." Rokusaki says, "So finish it, fools! I'm helpless. Slay me now." And it's funny what the turtles say. Like, we turtles are not dogs without honor. Unlike you, Rokusaki, I will give you one more chance to redeem your honor to take this katana and commit seppuku or seppuku. Yeah. Yeah, which means, uh, I guess, suicide, right? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, first of all, they're encouraging him to kill himself. That's definitely not a, something you would see in the cartoon either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then uh, and, and Rokusaki, you know, he's defiant to the end. He won't do it. And he tries to attack the turtles with uh, a grenade. Is that what it was? Yeah. Um, 
I thought it was interesting. Leo is is actually handing Leo his own katana yeah, to, yeah. to kill himself, which I thought was interesting. So he says, uh, you know, commit seppuku, and Shredder says, never. If I must, I will take all of you turtles with me. But this thermite grenade, it will wipe the rooftop clean of all life, including you. And it looks like he pulls the pin on the thermite grenade. And uh, Donatello uh, pulls an NBA jam and smacks it down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then smacks him right across the face with it. Uh, and then that knocks him off the roof. And, and the thermite grenade and Shredder both fall off the roof. And uh, and then you could just see the turtles looking down off the top of the roof. And there's a huge explosion. Yeah. So it's it's not looking very good for, uh, for Shredder. But one, one thing that kind of makes me think is though they they see part of his his outfit i guess you know part of the claw and of course they use like uh now this i could definitely see in the cartoon i don't know who says it i think it's uh leonardo he says hmm it seems that the shredder has been shredded (laughs) yeah and and, uh but then again you don't really see you know his body so i have no idea what happens i've never really read a whole bunch of the series is i don't know if that's it for him or not well there's a piece of shredder's armor uh part of the claw uh from his arm it's there and they pick it up and looks like leonardo just kind of looks at it for a second and then he makes the comment you said (laughs) yeah (laughs) uh and then they they look at it and they start walking away and I'm, i'm assuming this is ninja uh this is leonardo and he says we are the teenage mutant ninja turtles we strike hard and fade away into the night and they just they they throw his uh, the piece of the armor behind him and leave it in the dust. So what do you think, man? I mean, uh, o- overall, I've, what do you think of this first issue? It's pretty hardcore. I think it's pretty cool that you know, it was this was self-published. They were kind of uh, it was a fresh idea. They're they're doing a parody, but they made the story their own. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of the at least it seems to me a lot of stories and TV shows and stuff. They kind of bait you along. Uh, each episode leaves at a cliffhanger, but they put everything all into this one. They didn't leave anything on the table. The whole right. story was out there, start to finish. You get the backstory, you get Shredder, and you get Shredder being defeated. So I really like that it's a complete story, and it shows a little bit about each one of the characters as it goes along. It's uh, start start to finish. It's just amazing. I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I'm definitely with you, and it, it, I always found it interesting, you know, it is a parody, but it's a very, very dark parody, you know, it's it's not meant to be taken, f- uh, you know, of course you think, okay, that title, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, it, it, you wouldn't even think, you would kind of laugh at that title alone, you're like, wow, really, seriously? But when you actually, <laughs> yeah, when you actually get into the comic book itself, you realize right away that this is not meant to be taken as a joke, this is, uh, this is quite an intense book. Uh, and and I loved, like you said, the fact that it doesn't end on a cliffhanger where you have to buy the next one and then the next one and then the next one. We've got a be- beginning, we've got a middle, and we've got an end. And, and it's a very satisfying end. Although it leaves just enough for you to wonder, you know, if, if that's it for Shredder. You know, uh, that that's just the way I look at it. I haven't read the whole series yet, so I don't know. That might really be it. But Yeah, I, I haven't read the whole series either. I'm, I'm a couple of issues in and he hasn't come back yet, but he is such an awesome character. I know, I know. It'd be hard to just kill somebody like that. I mean, the Shredder. You know? I, first of all, I love the name. I love the, yeah. char- I love the character design. I love how he's got a believable motivation. You know, I, I like that. I love his backstory, and I just don't think that's the end of him. Yeah, I just think this was uh, just the way it was drawn, and that last uh, page 40, that last uh, shot of the turtles and Leo throwing Shredder's claw behind him, just, just the detail, and that 
um, shot alone is just amazing. I thought this was incredibly well drawn, uh, great storytelling. I would definitely give this a 10 out of 10. This was fantastic. Absolutely, I agree. All right. Well, when we got a, a good uh, fan response from Timothy Chan, who said, uh, I was a huge fan of the Mirage comics as a kid. I remember in second grade, my friend and I would bring all of our TMNT comics to school. We both had like 10, and we would read them in the jungle gym during lunch. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I had some of the Archie comics and some of the Mirage comics. Um, he started collecting earlier than I did, so he had some of the older Mirage comics. I still remember that he had TMNT issue 7 and 12. I didn't want to read 7 because it was the end of a story arc and wouldn't make any sense. But 12 was a self-contained story, so 12 was the first one I had ever read. Um, the first TMNT book I owned was uh, issue 14 with the Golden Cow and, and f number one, fifth printing. I read both of those so many times that the covers eventually came apart. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not familiar with the art style of the black and white comics during the 80s, there was an enormous amount of detail, and I, I agree with that, definitely. Um, I would spend afternoons staring at the artwork, looking at the sidewalks and buildings and all the nitty-gritty detail in the background of each frame. Eventually, as I got older in middle school, I tried to collect every TMNT comic that, uh, that had come out at the time. Eventually, I had the full set uh, up to issue 30 or 40 or something, uh, whatever had come out during that time. The only problem was that number four was a different size. The original books were printed in odd size and were larger than the normal comic books. I really wanted a normal size number four, so oh, my dad would take me to the comic shop looking for this book. I remember I would call ahead and ask if they had it. If they said they didn't have it, I would go over there and check anyways, so I'm not sure why I even called. Uh, if they said they had it, it, it would always turn out to be an odd size number four, which I already had. Finally, in eighth grade, I found a normal size number four at a comic convention in San Francisco. It, it's been 20, 20 years since that day, but I still remember everything about that moment. I remember the hotel that the convention was held at. I remember the guy who sold it to me. I remember the car ride back home when I read that issue over and over. It's awesome to see that people are getting back into the old comics, especially since the, the long, for the longest time nobody knew about these books. It's a little funny to see people call them graphic novels since they didn't originally come out in graphic novel form until first repackaged and then as anthologies. But if that's the way people experience them, then that's perfectly fine. On a related note, even though the original comic books were such a big part of my childhood, I've become a really big fan of the new Nickelodeon show. It's great to see the franchise survive and continue to be relevant. By the way, I know that you were asking about issue one, so I wanted to make a comment about this issue compared to the cartoon origin of the Turtles. Uh, one often overlooked difference between the Mirage origin and the cartoon origin is the motivation of the Turtles. In the cartoon, Splinter has trained the Turtles to be ninjas for no real purpose, I guess to fight crime or something. But in the Mirage comics, Splinter trained the, the ninjas for one specific task, to kill Shredder. So the roles have been reversed. In the cartoons, Shredder comes out of the woodwork to destroy the turtles, while the turtles were just minding their own business. In the Mirage comics, Shredder is unaware that the, of the turtles' existence, while the turtles are being trained for and eventually sent on a mission of revenge and assassination. From the very beginnings of the Mirage comics, there is a moral ambiguity that has to be dealt with. And that is, that is very true. I guess we can talk about that now. You know, uh, in, the, in the cartoon, the Turtles really don't have a, a huge motivation for... Or, I'm sorry, they don't have a major uh, reason for them training besides the fact that the outside world might consider them to be freaks. Yeah, it is kind of interesting. It seems like they're just kind of minding their own business in the sewers and hanging out until trouble finds them. Right, right. And then in the comic book, they are trained for a specific task, and that's to kill Shredder, which is, you know, obviously a huge motivation uh, that is definitely different from the cartoon. So that's, that's a very good, very insightful uh, response there, Timothy. We really appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, and it's 
Although there is a hint, though, in the comic book when they're leaving the scene after after they kill Shredder, uh, and oh, I'm sorry, after they fight the uh, the gang, uh, the purple dragons. purple dragons. Yeah. yeah, after they kill the purple dragons, and the cops are coming, they say uh, we don't like to run from those who would be our allies. Right. So there's a hint that they're crime fighters there, I guess, because right, uh, right. To me, that that thinks that if the cops are your allies, then you must be uh, against crime. So. But yeah, they they don't have any specific motivation other than just trying to kill to kill Shredder in the comic book, which is yeah. interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so for those of you who are out there and uh, you're really into the the comics and you or you want to get into the comics, you know, I want to get into Turtle Comics, but I don't know where to start. Uh, that's where I was after listening to Retro Junkies. Um, there are digital versions available, uh, which we have a link on our Facebook for that, and it looks like they're about two bucks a copy. Um, but if you're like me and you want a hard copy, uh, you've got a couple different options. Uh, you can try to buy the originals, which uh, they're not terribly easy to find. They can be a bit more expensive, but uh, we're lucky that recently uh, Eastman and Liard released the, uh, the original comics in a couple of formats. Uh, so there's one called TMNT, uh, The Ultimate Collection, Volume 1. Uh, that book came out first in January 10th, 2012. It is still available on Amazon. Uh, it's at about $35 right now. That one is black and white. It's got issues uh, 1 through 7 in black and white. And then uh, there's TMNT, uh, The Works, Volume 1, which is also uh, issues 1 through 7. It's about the same price. It's about 35 bucks, and it's color. So it's cool that both are available out there for you um, at a fairly reasonable price. And you can get the color or the black and white. There was a run of uh, TMNT Color Classics, which those were uh, the original comics redid in color, which is the TMNT uh, The Works. That's a reprinting of the Color uh, Classics. Uh, so the Color Classics are out there as well. Those were reprinted in, within the last couple of years. Uh, so they are out of print, but they're not terribly rare. So if you want to get individual issues, um, you can look for those in, in the comic book shops and on eBay. So I was saying the Turtles had kind of got me into comics. I hadn't been into it before. I just moved uh, to Michigan for a job, and I went to uh, a local comic book shop, Warp 9 Comics. They were really nice. Uh, they kind of taught me, uh, this is how a comic book shop works, because I had never been in one before. <laughs> so I picked up the the new uh, micro-series of the villains, and uh, while I was digging through their back issues, I was lucky enough to find issues 4, 5, and 6 of the color classics. Oh, nice. So uh, those uh, I'm actually willing to give away to uh, our fans. So we'll have to uh, stay tuned. I'm going to come up with a a way for you to enter for a chance to win those. Oh, you're a good man, Josh. Yeah, and and there's there's one site I I like to go to a lot, you know, just for any any comics in general, and they have a pretty good, decent, or they have a pretty decent uh, Ninja Turtles uh, selection, and that's uh, mycomicshop.com. Uh, they they have some some really good stuff. They've got a lot of the Archie comics as well. Um, I think that's where I got most of mine. You know, besides the ones I had a, as a kid. Do you have a preference on uh, color or black and white for the originals? Uh, me uh, personally, I don't care. As a matter of fact, I do love both for their own reasons. It seems like I don't know. It seems like the the black and whites you seem to notice the detail more. But maybe I'm wrong on that. I've never really given the the colored ones a, a chance. You know. I agree. You know, it's it's very it's very different. So the first time I read them, uh, I was reading a digital copy of Black and White, and this was uh, right after I had heard about it for the first time. And reading it in Black and White, you sort of get a different tone yeah. uh, than you do in color, and it's a little bit more serious, and you're forced to search the pages for more detail. 
And I think there's more detail that can be seen there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, because, you know, I'm, I'm still staring at the last page of uh, uh, the first issue. And, I mean, I can look at that for hours and notice new things. And, you know, you, it makes you wonder, you know, how many little Easter eggs are in these these little photos, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just, it really does. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to reread this one a few times before the next episode. Uh, but, yeah, I, I loved, I love the black and white. It's, uh, it's funny that you're mentioning that last scene. So I'm looking at it in color, and it's interesting you wouldn't probably wouldn't notice this in the black and white, but as they're tossing Shredder's piece of armor away, if you look in the background, the sun is actually coming up, which oh, is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's hard to see in the in the black and white. Yeah, I, I would never even guessed. And uh, and I found in in the black and white uh, the battle scene with the uh, with the Foot Clan when they're on the roof and they're all fighting. It's a little hard to tell exactly what's going on. Uh, for me, it's hard to tell who's stabbing who, and, right? <laughs> and who's kicking who. Yeah, and just in follow color, the blood. <laughs> yeah, in color, it's a little bit easier to see. But uh, you know, I really enjoyed reading both, uh, like you said, for their own reasons. And I think if you really want to take in everything that they're trying to to convey in the artwork, you kind of have to look at both. So I guess the last thing we're going to talk about is the 1987 uh, Fred Wolf Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoon, the very first episode, which uh, was written by David Wise. And uh, I don't have a release date. I don't exactly know. What was it? Uh, December, uh, December 28th, 1987. December 28th. So this was right after Christmas of uh, 1987. And uh, this is the one that started it all. This is probably the one that started the huge turtle craze that uh, you know would eventually be a, an icon of the 80s and early 90s. Okay, so the the 1987 uh, cartoon series was released. First episode uh, called Turtle Tracks was released on December 28th, 1987. The series ran from 1987 to 1996. I read one note that I thought was interesting, um, and, and I don't know how accurate it is, but. They were crediting the, the series to being canceled in 1996 to uh, an FCC regulation that Saturday morning cartoons had to be educational. Wow. And that's, that, that is the same year that the Turtles uh, animated series stopped, and I think they went to the next mutation. So um, I thought that that was interesting. You know, you take a step back and you look at some of the cartoons that were out during that time. Not many of them were educational, from what I can remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and well, and I think that's that may be one of the reasons why, like you and I, kind of stepped away from cartoons for a bit. Uh, well, at least I did. I don't know if you did, but you know, uh, I remember watching Cartoon Network and stuff like that. I, w- I would like the older cartoons, like the original Turtles or yeah. Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, stuff right. like that. Right. All those different ones. I mean, I don't, I don't think. Uh, I think after a certain point, you know, they kind of they just changed the whole tone and everything. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. The only other show I, I actually watched besides maybe a little bit of the Power Rangers was the X-Men. But again, you know, that, that was like the same format as the Ninja Turtles. I don't remember learning a, a, a single educational lesson, you know, aside from, you know, good, mor- good morals, I'd, I'd say. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I'm, a little, I'm a little shocked at that. But I'm also sh- surprised that the Ninja Turtles lasted as long as they did because it, like, it seemed like right around 93 or 94, you know, when the Power Rangers had come out. And I'm not, they're not the sole... You know, reason why the Ninja Turtles faded out. It's just, it's just one of those things. You know, it was a huge part of the '80s, and it just kind of fizzled out. You know, people want something different after a while. And when the Turtles were canceled in 1996, they had been the longest-running animated show on TV for wow. a while. 
Wow. Yeah, I'd, I'd say yeah. the Simpsons have probably beaten them since then, but uh, that's right. pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, the Simpsons. Uh, yeah, the Simpsons beat them afterwards, but they were a lot of great big names came from the, the cartoon series. A lot of voice actors that were, you know went on to do some other things. Um, first of all, uh, James Avery. He was the voice of Shredder. He was also Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Uncle Phil. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, my buddy Landon, he's like, man, every time I hear the uh, the Shredder, I think of Uncle Phil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm waiting for Jazzy Jeff to pop up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, every time I hear his voice, uh, it makes me want to do the Carlton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, the next actor we have is uh, Cam Clark, who did the voice of Leonardo. He is also known for several video games, and I thought this was interesting. Uh, he did uh, the voice of Liquid Snake for Metal Gear Solid. I, I remember, I remember actually playing that, and I was like, "Boy, that sounds just like Leo." But I never did any <laughs> research in it into it until years later. I was like, "That is him." Quick after, actor for uh, Epic Video Game. That's oh, a great absolutely, one. absolutely. Yeah. Let's see, Townsend Coleman, uh, who was the voice of Michelangelo, he was also known for his work in uh, The Tick. I remember that cartoon, great cartoon. Uh, is it Kennard? Is it yeah, Kennard from the Kennard Mighty Ducks. from the Mighty Ducks. The cartoon Mighty Ducks? Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Captain Planet, he was uh, additional voices in that. Um, he was also Inspector Gadget's Corporal Capeman uh, sidekick, <laughs> so that was cool. <laughs> it's interesting. I think there's a lot of similarities in the, the animation style between uh, Inspector Gadget and the Turtles. And yes. I think they're both uh, FHE, the Family Home Entertainment. So I think there's some links there, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, and also, um, Townsend Coleman did an interview with uh, the, our friends over at the What the Shell podcast. I think it was like their second episode. And boy, he was a nice guy in that episode. You could just tell. And uh, he had some really interesting things to say from his perspective of the Ninja Turtles. And uh, uh, I go, I encourage you all to go check him out. Maybe we could have him on our show one day. That would be awesome. Oh, my gosh. I'd probably nerd out, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would, too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the next actor we have is uh, Renee Jacobs, who uh, did the voice of April. She also uh, was involved with uh, Punky Brewster cartoon series, additional voices. Maybe we can get her on the show, too. That'd be fantastic. That would be amazing. I would oh, be honest. man. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, let's see. Barry Gordon, he was the voice of Donatello and Bebop and Baxter. Um, he's also known for... Um, oh, wow. He was uh, in ER? ER yeah, yeah. Show. ER, the TV show, yeah. Wow. How about that? And he did additional voices on the Smurfs. Uh, oh, he was Inky on the Pac-Man TV series. Wow. <laughs> was he also the, the uh, Quicks rabbit? Remember the hmm. Nestle Quick? You know, I do remember that. That's that a good question. Just, I don't that know. That sounds just like him. I, I think that's him. Huh. Yeah, so I... I wonder I, I like chocolate milk so much. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> uh, next is uh, Rob Paulson, who did the voice of Raphael. And it's interesting, he also does the voice for Donatello in the new series, uh, 2012 series. Mm-hmm. Um... He's also known for uh, Yakko Warner, Pinky, and Dr. Otto Scratch and Sniff in the Animaniacs. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see. Uh, Peter Renaday. Um, he was the voice of Splinter, General Trang, and Vernon. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. He was also known for uh, uh, his work in Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, let's see. Bane in the Batman and Robin video game. Oh, and, and you get the uh, last one. Uh, lastly, uh, Pat Fraley, who did the voice of Krang and Baxter Stockman, and also Burn Thompson uh, from the Channel 6 News. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, he's also known for, uh, I think, additional voices in Toy Story 2 and Monsters, Inc., and uh, also George and Stan from Escape from Monkey Island. Oh, nice. <laughs> and uh, also The Tick played Mayor Blank in The Tick. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, that's two cartoons that he and uh, Townsend Coleman were in together. So, the story of the original episode, the first cartoon episode, um, it's definitely quite different from what we saw in the uh, comic books. 
But like I said, the, the whole thing of these two things, it's, it's the, the, they're completely different, but they're still awesome in their own right, you know? And, and I, I thought, after watching this episode, I thought it was, you know, a, a very entertaining, very witty episode. I was expecting a whole bunch of cheeseball humor and everything, but actually, I, I was pleasantly surprised at how well it holds up today. Um, I thought the episode was still, it holds, like you said, it holds up today. It's still pretty entertaining. Um, I thought it was interesting. It starts off with gangsters uh, stripping down a car. Um, and April's talking about crime in the city, which reminds me of the first movie, uh, yes, where they're yeah. stealing stuff. It's it's sort of the exact same scene playing out, which I thought was pretty interesting. What I like uh, is that when they actually hit the car, the car actually disappears. Besides, like, yeah, the yeah. Metal, metal frame. <laughs> They've stripped it into oblivion. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I also like how they're they're uh, um, doing the they're vandalizing. So April's one of the talking on the news, and she's talking about all the different crime going out. And asking about the things that were stolen, and I thought that it was funny that they threw out some uh, techno battle. So he says uh, the items that have been stolen are two positron accelerators, four reverse flux polarity indicators, <laughs> and one parabolic sine wave generator. And, and April goes, "Well, what does all all that equipment do?" And he goes, "I have no, no idea." idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, while they're doing this interview. Uh, they're trying to find out, well, who's stealing all this equipment? Uh, and oh, and I love got... how they're actually doing the interview, and and one of the cops is still tied up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, is anyone going to help that guy out? You're like, oh no, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then they they look at uh, they look at the rope that was here and it says, oh, it must have been ninjas. Rope was made rope was made in Japan, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. It actually reminded me of uh, of Back to the Future, and in Back to the Future, they're talking about how all this stuff is made in Japan. I think uh, Doc Brown mentions as to like talking about why stuff isn't working or something. But uh, it, it's just interesting because it's about the same time, the 80s. So I'm wondering if in the 80s that's when a lot of stuff started being made in Japan. I don't know. Ah, oh, good point. Good point. Uh, yeah, it's just kind of interesting, pop culture type deal. <laughs> so uh, anyway, Splinter, uh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, Shredder's hand is shown. Yeah, yeah, and you know what that reminds me of? The that claw. Remind, exactly. That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. Dr. Claw. <laughs> he just needs yeah. a cat right next to him. <laughs> <laughs> I never forget that cat's laughs like, claw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So when the turtles show up uh, at the there's a news van. Uh, April's there, and they're talking. Vernon's talking about, oh, well, there's all these robberies, and we've got like over a million dollars of equipment here. Uh, and then of course the baddies come in to steal all the stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, the turtles show up. And you don't actually see them right away either. No, you don't. Uh, I think there's some voice confusion uh, when they come out. The, the voices don't exactly match up. No, no, and, and that, that 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 is true. I noticed a few mistakes in in this episode. Like I know I I remember Raph's voice is Donatello's at one point and, and uh, I was like wait a minute that's not right and I think even Raph's voice was uh, Michelangelo's at one point too yeah yeah there's there's a couple of uh, inconsistencies too that happens throughout the series every once in a while you'll notice that they have the wrong voice right. or the wrong color um, I know in this episode uh, Michelangelo is seen with Leonardo's colors when they pick up the matchbox for the Ninja Pizzeria oh yeah that's right that, I, I took a note of that yeah 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 and I thought it was interesting that Shredder is using gangs of thugs and not his foot soldiers to steal the stuff. The gangsters show up at the van, and they're trying to steal the equipment, and she runs and she escapes into the sewer. And the thugs chase her into the sewer. This is when we get the first appearance of the turtles. And uh, it's it's just like in the first movie again, sort of, uh, you can't see the turtles. Yeah, you can't see them right away. They just they finally come out of the shadows all, you know, all together. 
It's, it's almost another error, too, because everyone else is in full color. It doesn't look like there's any light missing or a shadow to where they should be. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you just see it's these like, shadows beating people up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's pretty neat. So they, they're in the darkness, and they come out, and the, the very first line is Donatello goes, chill out, homeboy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you remember that from the comics? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. another thing is I, I didn't realize how short they are compared to April. Yeah. Did you notice that they they, they must be like three feet tall? <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I don't notice that. Yeah. And it's, so Donatello goes, chill out, homeboy, and, and nails him, and then Raph goes, hey, watch it with that thing. <laughs> and then the turtles enter from the shadows, and uh, of course they rescue April, and she faints uh, upon seeing the turtles. Yeah, and then Mike goes, oh, she's no fun, she fainted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then it zooms out to Shredder watching a monitor. So apparently Shredder has uh, surveillance cameras in the sewers even. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> they're everywhere. Like, you, you notice, like, later on in the show, like, they're on top of a roof. You know, I don't want to give it too much away. But they're on top of the roof, and Shredder's looking at them again. He's like, yep, those are turtles. Yeah, and he's got <laughs> closed-circuit TV all over uh, New York. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> then it goes to the, the turtles' lair. It looks like turtles are settling down to some pizza with uh, pepperoni and ice cream, mm. jelly beans and mushrooms, and anchovies and, and peanut, peanut butter. peanut butter, yep. <laughs> We're gonna have to eat, we're gonna have to eat one of those on the show. I mean, I've already done the uh, anchovies and mar- marshmallows one on the retro junkies, but we gotta do more. Okay, all right, yeah, it's a deal. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> there, there's a uh, a place that's got the five dollar hot and ready pizzas I can use. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Little Caesars. Yeah, well, Ninja Pizza's right around the corner for me, so I'm good. Oh man. <laughs> It was kind of funny. I was I was thinking about that throughout the the movies. Mm-hmm. They actually switch uh, from I think they switch from uh, Domino's to Pizza Hut. Oh, Both those are advertised. Yeah, I I don't remember. I think it's Domino's in the first movie, mm-hmm. and it might be Pizza Hut in the second movie. I could be mistaken, but I know in the video game, in yeah. one of the video games, it's Pizza Hut. It is. It's the second. It's the um, NES game, uh, the arcade game port. Yeah, because I remember walking by the signs, and and there was a whole bunch of product placement for Pizza Hut in, in the game. Yeah. And, and did Pizza Hut know that their their pizza was going to be affiliated with the Shredder's Army and, and attacking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, it doesn't look good. Yeah. <laughs> so Splinter uh, begins to tell April the story of the turtles uh, mm-hmm. after she finally wakes up. <laughs> and then they have some trouble waking her up too, I think. Yeah, she kept she kept fainting, I think. And I oh, or, you know, Raph says like, boy, she's really hard to talk to or something because she keeps as oh, soon as she yeah. wake up, she'd faint again. <laughs> Not much for conversation or something like that. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> So the story starts with Hamada Yoshi as the Shidoshi of the Foot Clan and a teacher of enlightenment. Uh, Yoshi was a quiet man who loved art, and Orokosaki uh, wanted to usurp Hamada Yoshi's leadership of the Foot Clan. One day, a master sensei visited, and Orokosaki made his move. He put a knife in, uh, in Hamada Yoshi's shirt in the back of his, uh, I guess that's a karate gi or shirt or whatever it is, and he kind of pinned him to the wall with it so he couldn't move. So... When the Master Sensei came by, everyone was bowing, and Yoshi goes to bow, and he can't, so he, he reaches back and pulls the knife out, and they thought that they were gonna, he was going to assassinate the Master. One of the guards with the Sensei says, uh, Imputant dog, you plan to kill their beloved <laughs> Sensei? <laughs> yeah. Oh, and by the way, he's got the goofiest voice I think I've ever heard. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Our honorable sensei. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, then they, they ask the sensei, well, what should we do with him? And then he, he speaks in Japanese, oh, or something. And then he goes, throw the bum out. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote that down. That was a great line. <laughs> yeah, I thought that, that line was great. <laughs> Yoshi gets banished uh, because he uh, disgraced the master, and uh, he was forced to move to New York. And penniless, he was forced to live in the sewers. But one day, 
a boy trips and the sewers fell down the drain. By the way, that was that was the sm- the slowest trip I think I've ever seen. It takes like three seconds for that kid to fall. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Apparently, uh, a gravity uh, <laughs> slowed down. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I also wonder, like, why, why didn't Yoshi try to find a job? Uh, I don't know. You know, I mean, you know, McDonald's is hiring every day. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. But uh, still, you know, I know it's a cartoon, you know. Yeah, well, it's interesting that he can speak English, too. <laughs> Very well, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, really well. Uh, the turtles fall down the drain. Uh, he says, uh, one day some new friends came down the drain, and it's the turtles that come down. And uh, back in Japan, Orokosaki's evil leadership uh, is caused the Foot Clan to turn to crime, and it shows them kicking a Coke machine. <laughs> you noticed that too, huh? <laughs> yeah, I love that scene. That's, like, that, that's like the first thing they think of when they think of crime. You see a yeah. Foot Ninja kicking a Coke machine. <laughs> yeah, in the comics, we're, we're running guns and drugs, but we're stealing Cokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knows? Maybe the robots were thirsty. <laughs> yeah, good point. What were they even going to do with them? I don't know. Maybe, uh, I don't, maybe Krang likes it, or Shredder. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Yoshi enjoyed his turtles and rats, uh, and one day Yoshi found that the turtles were crawling in a purple goo. And uh, we mentioned this earlier. Uh, I, th- I thought that was interesting. What did you think about that, Rob? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not green. <laughs> yeah. Once again, way too much purple going on, man. Yeah, I thought it was strange that it was purple. And actually, uh, this morning I was watching uh, episode one of uh, season two, uh, and it's called uh, Return of the Shredder. Oh, good, a good episode. And in the beginning of that episode, uh, near the beginning, two of the turtles gone. And they were fighting the gangsters, and I think Raph was saying he was jealous because he didn't get the workout. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about almost how they missed uh, fighting the Shredder. And Donatello says, uh, "You know, it's kind of funny. If it hadn't been for Shredder's mutating gel, we never would have grown into what we are." Hmm. So it's interesting that in the comic books, you know, it's uh, it's actually labeled the canister says TCRI on it. So it's some chemical plant. In the movies, it's TGRI. Who knows why? Wow. Look at that some other day, probably. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) But it's interesting that they don't call it an ooze. They call it a gel. It's purple instead of green. And this is originating. uh, The origin of this is from Shredder. Shredder, yeah. Not from another company. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I never noticed it until today. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That's news on me. He sees him crawling in the purple goo. and He says it was a powerful mutagen that caused you to mutate into whatever animal animal you had most recently been in contact with. So uh, the turtles turned into a human. Yoshi turned into a rat. So uh, again, in the comics, Yoshi is the rat, as opposed to being a, uh, the pet of Yoshi. And I, I love how he talks about his name. He's like, they called me Splinter for obvious reasons. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My four young warts nicknamed me Splinter for obvious reasons. Yeah, and he's just like biting <laughs> a piece of wood. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and I, in turn, named them after my favorite Renaissance painters. Yes. <laughs> I trained them in the ways of ninjutsu because I knew that they would be considered freaks. Which, again, like we're saying, he's training them for self-defense here, not for attacking and going to kill the Shredder. Exactly. April's learning the story of how the turtles came to be. She stops the story and accuses the turtles of being the thieves that tried to uh, steal all the equipment because they're, turtle, or they're ninjas, and ninjas were the ones that stole the equipment. And I like how the turtles actually like say, "No, you're staying here." They they basically kidnap April. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, that is kind of funny. I, I didn't notice it until I rewatched the episode. I was like, "Oh, hold on a second. I didn't realize that there was uh, some confrontation here. They had to come up with a plan." And Michelangelo's like, "Oh, well, yeah. what are we gonna do?" He's like, "I got an idea. We'll we'll keep her forever." <laughs> and then Raph goes, "Think again, Mr. Wizard." <laughs> and then Leah goes, "Well, why don't we just find these ninja thieves for her?" So that's the plan. They're going to find out who stole all the equipment for April. And she decides that she's going to tag along. They go back to the scene of the crime, and they find uh, a matchbook that says uh, Ninja Pizzeria. 
and they decide, oh, well, that's where we need to go to next. And <laughs> April wants to take off and tag along. And uh, you remember the line there? Oh, uh, okay. Um, it's Donatello. Donatello. Uh, you wouldn't last five minutes in a ninja pizzeria. <laughs> I've always he's, like, he's like, I always wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they end up going up on uh, on the surface, and then they... Oh, yeah, my, my favorite scene. My, my uh, Out of the entire episode, my favorite scene comes up. They, they, so they get out of the sewers, and the first thing they see, this old lady, she's screaming like crazy and everything as soon as she sees the turtles. And, uh, you know, th- you think she's going to run away, but then she, she's, she's pulling a cart along. Then she pulls out a Tommy gun from her cart, kicks her cart out of the way, and then starts, uh, you know, uh, threatening the shoots. And the turtles just kind of like real casually put their hands in the air and walk backwards. Yeah, she busts out like Rambo. <laughs> she just whips out the machine gun and knocks the cart over. Like, come get some. It was awesome. I was awesome. like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, they, yeah, they go around the corner, and April goes, we got to do something about your looks. So uh, they, they get him some trench coats, uh, and then Raph throws in his line, I think it was. Yeah, here's looking at you, kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then they uh, they finally, uh, and w- while they're walking, uh, April's mixing up their names. Uh, and I thought that was kind of a neat way to get the, you know, the viewers to understand who's who. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love how Leonardo, he says it's like so solemnly, like she calls him Raphael, he's like, I'm Leonardo. Yeah, he was all sad. <laughs> yeah, all he sad. He still had a crush on her, and he's like, oh, she doesn't even know my name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're walking along, and they see someone selling uh, fake glasses in the nose, and, and uh, Donatello goes, why do humans want to make themselves look goofier than they already are? <laughs> I really don't know, Donatello. <laughs> and then there's a guy walking with the 80s boombox. Boombox, yep. <laughs> why do humans want to make themselves deaf? Yeah. So they finally get to the pizza place, and they order uh, three whipped cream pizzas Mm -hmm. and a sashimi pizza. And uh, the sashimi pizza was apparently Raphael's. Uh, What was this? What was... I can't remember what was on that one. uh, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure what sashimi is. Yeah, me neither. Uh, But I think I got that information may have been from turtlepedia.wicca.com. Yeah, there was. They have some interesting notes on there. So shout out to them. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for putting together uh, information on that. So they order their pizzas, and it's kind of weird. April just disappears. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. Like I wrote that down. She just up and just disappears, and, she, and the next moment you see her like halfway across the street, walking into this one building. Yeah. They, uh, yeah, they have to track her down. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then so uh, the uh, it was. I thought it was cool when they deliver the check. Uh, <laughs> that scene. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and Raf goes. Uh, He's like, what is it, a threatening note? He's like, no, it's worse. The check. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I think then Shredder is, uh, I guess he's got surveillance, I think, in the uh, in the pizza shop. And he it zooms, you know, it shows, uh, shows Shredder looking at them. And he goes, uh, they are the turtles. Amato Yoshi's turtles. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wondering how he already knows about yeah, them. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Yeah, well, the thing is, like, how would he know that you know, specifically that that's got to be Yoshi's Turtles. I mean, because there were other people in the Foot Clan, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, how do you know it's just Yoshi's, but eh. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the uh, the Technodrome now debuts, and uh, there's no explanation as to the link between Shredder and the Technodrome initially, with which I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah, and we got to talk about the Technodrome. That is one of the most iconic things about that uh cartoon series oh yeah it, oh i it, love the technodrome i mean one you see it as the, like the last stage in almost every single video turtles video game and the eyeball i love the eyeball i <laughs> love the eyeball too yeah it's the best <laughs> yeah yeah i mean I, I don't know i don't know where the heck they got that idea from uh but boy i loved it that was a great addition it, it really was and uh, 
I like you never really have an a concept as to how big the Technodrome is. No. You know, no. it's like is it like five rooms or is it like a hundred? I don't know. It's, right, it, right. Because in some scenes it's like drilling through the the earth and it, it doesn't seem that big. Maybe it's about as wide as a street. And then in other scenes, you know, it just looks so huge inside. So. Yeah, it's like the freaking <laughs> Death Star or something. It's like huge. <laughs> yeah, it's a Death Star with an eyeball on top. <laughs> yeah, Death Star Plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought it was interesting. They don't really in the first episode they don't explain the link between uh, Shredder and Krang at no, all, no. or the Technodrome. I mean, we know he's stealing technical. Equipment, Stuff, but we don't yeah. know why. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, April's in. Yeah, April walks into the building, which uh, I guess it's a, a security company or set up as a security company. Mm-hmm. You hear the receptionist on the phone, and uh, she's offering security services to different technology companies. And then, after they order, you know, they make an order for to have uh, some security officers or equipment set up. They uh, they decide that they're ripe for the picking. So mm-hmm. uh, April stumbles upon this information, and she tries to leave. Then I love this abducted. next scene. <laughs> yeah, it's the introduction of the uh, the foot soldiers. And did you notice how they walk? Yeah, they look like monkeys. Or something. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly where I went down. They walk like monkeys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they just kind of wander around, hunched over, and walk like monkeys. And and uh, and and I know um, uh, when she tries to call for help, don't they like grab her or something like that? Yeah, yeah, I think they they grab her. They might and, cover her mouth or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but it seems like the weirdest animation. Like I, oh, don't I didn't know. notice that. Yeah, I don't know. It just looks like she's kind of trying to slither away like a snake. Like her body's all out of proportion. It was. I remember taking note of that. I was like, "What the?" It just looked <laughs> looked very strange. Yeah, it's kind of unnatural, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so then the uh, the turtles go looking for her. Of course, they find her press pass. Her purse is hanging from the edge of a building. Did they actually spot that, or was it just shown? And oh, I, I I don't remember to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, I remember it, it scrolls up to the top of the building, and you can see April's purse hanging on the top there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, obviously, the turtles have the right place, and uh, they check it out. They run in the inside, and then I think one of the foot soldiers, don't they uh, run into... So, they're running up the stairs and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're running they, up. Yeah, and they they're say, running oh, up. it's not raining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite lines in the episode. So, they're running up the stairs. They, they find um, April tied up at the rooftop and everything, and that's when the foot soldiers... Uh, that's when the, the turtles try to beat up all the foot soldiers and set April free. Well, just as the place is about to overflow, I think don't they uh, get some of the ropes and they, they sling it across the street and like glide down before the yeah. whole place just overflows with water? Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty cool. And then uh, they somehow they uncover one of the foot ninjas outfits how did they do that yeah you're right they uh they recover some of the outfit i guess they pulled it off the machine or the robot or whatever yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but they bring it back to splinter splinter identifies it as being uh, part of the foot clan yeah right now splinter knows that uh shredder might be around you know rokosaki yeah. might be around and leo says uh tur- turtles don't know the meaning of defeat and then Mike michelangelo goes yeah that's right we never bothered to look it up in the dictionary yeah <laughs> <laughs> And then April goes, don't you guys ever take anything seriously? And then Raph goes, of course we do. And that's where they're eating the pizza and everything. And then yeah, April finally yeah, April finally like concedes to everything. She's like, okay, well, hand me a slice of the bananas. What was it? Bananas and sausage pizza or something like yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent episode, man. I, I got to say. but it, it is really a great episode. It's, it's got a little bit of everything in it. I thought it was interesting that they actually show Shredder's face in this episode as well. Yeah, yeah, right off the get-go. Yeah, that yeah, I think that is the end of the episode. They just yeah. uh yeah. They just okay. go back, talk about the outfit and everything and then uh that's it. You know, yeah, okay. it seems like they wrap everything up always with a slice of pizza at the end, so <laughs> it's gonna be a common motif. I know the show makes always makes me want to have pizza. Me too, me too. <laughs> Especially even right when it starts. 
I know. <laughs> <laughs> right where they show the uh, the title of the episode. Yeah, where it scrolls, scrolls into a pizza. pizza. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh man, if, whoever uh, if any pizza company could have got their logo on the box there, man, they would have been set. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> so Josh, uh, you know, all these years later, uh, you know, since this episode debuted, what do you think it holds up? Absolutely. I mean, there's there's a lot of nostalgia, even just hearing the, the song. I think almost anybody our age, once you hear the song, you know exactly what it is. Oh, yeah. So there, there's a lot of nostalgia. And part of it, when you're watching the episode, you're, you're just trying to remember, like, oh, man, I don't remember that in the episode. And it's a lot of fun. But I think even if you were watching it for the first time, it'd be pretty interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's, there's enough story there. And they do leave it on a little bit of a cliffhanger, you know, because they want to get back to the Shredder. But uh, I thought it was interesting. They they introduced introduced a lot of the characters and kind of gave you the basis as to uh, here's the backstory, here's what's going on, and they kind of have you uh, begging for more. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Like I, I kind of like I said earlier, I guess I expected this to be, you know, just almost cheese ball kind of, and and you know, I, I was kind of relying on nostalgia, you know, just being the main. Uh, reason why I would like this episode, but actually, I I thought there were some pretty genuinely funny parts to it, and uh, and I love, to be honest, I really love the character April's character, and I love how strong and brave she is, and uh, you know how poor Vernon, you know, the, <laughs> he's run away from everything, <laughs> and uh, she she's like the leader, and uh, I I love the origin story, as funny as it was, uh, especially that throw the bum outline, yeah, <laughs> <you know>? yeah. <laughs> um, and and. Uh, I just love how original it was. You know, it was like nothing you had seen before, and how it's not a, a carbon copy of the the comic book. It's actually its own thing. Um, it's it's like a, a different interpretation of the turtles, and it's just as good to me personally as the comic books. You know, they're very very different, but they're both very good for their own reasons. And I I thought this episode was fantastic. Uh, I think that David Wise was the writer, and. Uh, I think he nailed it. I agree. Like you're saying, I think it's interesting that if if you did read the comic book and then you watch the show, you're still not exactly sure what to expect because it's a little bit different. It is, yeah. And and they just they brought the TV show brought brought it to a new audience. It's more accessible to kids. Uh, you know, a lot of people were never into comic books like me, or if they were, it might have been a little bit too dark at that age. But you know. Without the cartoon, you know, I don't think we would be still talking about them today because I think it would have sort of faded into obscurity because there aren't that many people that know about the comic books as great as they are. Right. So I think really, uh, you know, the cartoon owes a lot to the, the comic book, obviously, because that's the origin. But, you know, I don't think the comic may not have been as, as successful um, down the road, you know, the the ongoing comic series without the cartoons sort of fuel fuel uh, people and point them to the the franchise. Oh, absolutely, and you know, I'm I'm very similar to you in that way. The cartoon, obviously, I had heard about, or the cartoon got me into the turtles, you know, into the toy line, and and then you know, eventually, I was like, oh wait, somebody told me that they were based on a comic book. You know, I would have never even known that had I not watched the cartoon. You know, I would have never uh, been exposed to the comic books. So, I mean, I think you can't have one without the other. I, I really, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, when you were talking about April earlier. It's interesting. The uh, April's backstory is different in the comics, a little bit different in the comics as than it is in the cartoon. But um, I think that's uh, I think that might be issue two of the comics. So we'll cover that on uh, next episode or in two episodes. Oh, excellent! I can't wait. Jeremy Fain says, "I'd like to say that the series aged well. It's not the comic or the 2003 series, but I'm a fan of kaiju, so it's monsters versus monsters versus aliens, so it's all good. So we did have one say it uh, it aged very well. So." I have to agree with you there, Jeremy. Uh, I guess we better wrap this thing up. What do you th- What do you think, Josh? I agree. Uh, just wanted to let everyone know. Um, 
I have a bunch of Turtles cards, uh, like I mentioned earlier, and I'm planning to give those away as well as the comic books, uh, Color Classics 4, 5, and 6. So be sure to stay tuned to our Facebook page, uh, and I'll let you know how you guys can enter to win those prizes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash turtleflakespodcast. Uh, please give us a review or um, uh, just let us know what you think of the show. Uh, we are going to try to do our green screen on the first episode, uh, uh, hopefully this week or maybe early next week. Yeah, so Josh, hey, appreciate you doing this, man. It was a lot of fun, and I'm looking forward to doing many more with you, man. Absolutely. All right, well, on behalf of Josh and myself, uh, we just want to say thanks for listening, and cowabunga. Cowabunga, dudes.